What's up, guys? It is Wednesday, April 15th. This week on the podcast, I continue with part two with my guest, Clement Young, where we talk about many things, COVID-19, global markets, uh, difference between Medellin and the UK, talk about Bitcoin, um, a little bit of conspiracy talk, some opportunities, a little about podcasting, social media, very diverse, like the first episode. Um, so hope you guys enjoy it. And as always, don't forget to subscribe if you have not already and share this episode with somebody that you think would like to learn more about blockchain, Bitcoin, and all the wonderful things that we'll talk about. Enjoy. This is the Blockhash Podcast. Can I just start it with a cough? <laughs> that was a real yes. one. Welcome to part two. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I feel very much in a different uh, state of health in this in this particular part of the conversation. But um, yeah, how's your health doing? I know that you're having a lymph node malfunction after getting off the lymph plane. node crisis. Thank God it's not a lymph node crisis. But crisis basically, so we we parted ways in Medellin, and I hopped on a flight the same day and it, it was right. really weird because i i've come from pretty much living in asia for the last eight years or so and even before the coronavirus people were wearing face masks there it's just a, it's just one of those things i, I think it's you know it's, it's tied to pollution a lot but um when the coronavirus was mentioned and i was already in asia uh, people were starting to to, to, to put on the masks even more so when i got to the airport to come back to the uk from malaysia everyone was wearing a mask and we were being scanned for like temperatures and things. So people were doing things right. And then fast forward right. like a, a few months and I'm in Colombia and I'm leaving and no one is wearing a mask, right? No one is checking temperatures. No one gives a fuck. No one cares. It's either no one cares or it's a mixture of not being educated and not caring. And it, it scares you that many people in the same place at that time. Well, I, I think a lot of people are just like, I think a lot of people in Colombia were just like, yo, we're not going to get this. We're good. You know, yeah. <laughs> they had just such a laid back yeah. mentality about it. But I'll tell you what, the it scared the shit out of them the past week or so. Everyone's walking around yeah, with a mask now. Imagine. Who's laughing now? We had like <laughs> three cases. Who's laughing now, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> Told you. That's like going to yeah, be your, like, you should make that your tagline for the podcast. Told you. <laughs> Told you. <laughs> but they, like, yeah, they had uh, three cases in Medellin. Uh, one woman who just got back from Spain. Um, and then they they were really diligent about it too. Like they figured out all 80 people or so that she was in contact with in the last like 48 hours. And then they started scanning all 48 of these people. And um, the few that actually have it are in quarantine right now. Mm. I think across Colombia, there's like 20 something cases and obviously it'll probably go up quite a bit anyways, but they've taken a lot of precautions. Um, mm, like right. the other day, they shut down the border to Venezuela. Uh, they won't let anyone else through. Uh, they put a travel, they're banning, uh, not banning, but barring travel from anyone that's been to Europe in the last 14 days. Um, mm. and I think Asia too. Um, Quite serious they restrictions. Have, yeah. yeah, they have a national um, health emergency as well, and universities are 
shutting down cinemas are shutting down it's it's interesting like how how much precaution they're taking but at the same time like i was in yaris park the other night mm. and there's so many people that are out and about yeah. spending money and like they just didn't give a shit and i'm like i, I feel well, like on hand, it's one of those things that <laughs> you're never going to be able to make people like scared of going out <laughs> like on one hand okay it's good for the economy people are out spending money and everything the businesses <laughs> are popping on the other hand i wonder how many of these people are going to get ill in the next 14 days <laughs> And it doesn't necessarily be need to be coronavirus. <laughs> Could be yeah. anything. Everyone's going to get a uh, cold. <laughs> so. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm glad that they're taking taking precautions. Anyway, I mean, getting back to the whole story, I, I got back after spending about, I would say, twenty hours traveling, because I had to come from London, which is where I landed, and then I had to travel up north to Newcastle, which is like about a five hour difference. Uh, anyway, I got home and I, I had a pain under my left arm and under my, in my armpit. And I, I just thought it was like muscle strain, you know, from probably carrying a backpack for that long, but there was a bump. So it was a, a definitely a, a lymph node that had kind of like become inflamed. And I, I immediately knew my, my immune system was fighting something and that's not normal. I don't normally get like you know, swollen lymph nodes, if I get a cold, or if I get a flu, I just can't remember the last time I had one that was that painful. So it already started to make me feel a little uncomfortable, a little bit paranoid. And um, surely enough, I've had the sniffles, I've had um, a cough. But it's been two days. So my my symptoms aren't getting worse. They're actually just hovering around. And I don't know if I have it because I have not gone to get checked. I don't, mm. I don't feel like I should unless I'm seriously, you know, starting to get ill because otherwise, you know, other people might not have that chance. So I don't know what it is, bro. I, I hope it isn't the, the coronavirus. Um, well, I mean, the, the symptoms are like uh, normal flu symptoms, shortness of <laughs> yeah. breath, like dry cough, things like that, vomiting mm. probably. So like, unless you have that going on, I think you're fine. I, yeah. I think you just have some malfunctioning lymph nodes right now. I saw a report that, uh, or like at least um, information on a German study that hasn't been published yet, or probably has been published now, that um, some some cases were exhibiting signs of runny noses, coughs and things, and as a result of the COVID-19. So it just goes to show like if that's true and i'll i'll try and find the link for you so that you can plug it in here if people are interested yeah, sure. but if that is true it just goes to show how varied people's responses are to this and it's very difficult to figure out if you've got it or not you know right yeah it's it's hard with the dormancy period you really don't know if you have it and like how many people are you going to interact with before it's you realize you have it yeah yeah exactly Bro, we're in a really weird time right now. And I think it's normal that people are losing their shit, you know, all this panicking mm -hmm. that's going on. I mean, people say people shouldn't be panicking. They shouldn't be, you know, bulk buying or, uh, you know, uh, hoarding things. And I, I agree with the, them 100 percent. No one no one wants that. I'm pretty sure no one wants that. But when you think about it, it makes total sense. Like oh, we're hardwired for survival and we're just going to do whatever it takes. So I don't really see how you're going to be able to get to the point where people don't freak out like this when there's a, you know, an emergency like this.
Well, it's hard not for it's hard for people not to freak out when <laughs> when you have your government and federal agencies coming out saying everything will be fine, don't panic, and then the next day they restrict travel to Europe and they start injecting trillions of dollars into the economy and then the market starts crashing um, and then you get all these statistics from the CDC showing that they don't know who has it and don't panic but you know you might have it too <laughs> and you don't even know it yet yeah. um, and then they start seeing people go to the store and then herd effect takes takes over and you know it's it's impossible for them not to panic like you're telling people not to panic and then you're taking all these emergency precautions yeah. Um, and then you see it spiking all across the world. So, I mean, I don't blame people for, for panicking. I mean, I, I, if I could blame them for something, it'd be for being ill-prepared in the first place, mm. um, you know, and then also not having a stockpile of certain medical supplies. Mm. Um, like, it's outrageous that the United States, the biggest economy in the world and the, the biggest superpower in the world, doesn't have a stockpile of that stuff is also ill-prepared in a lot of ways. Right. That is very strange to kind of finally come to... Like, I, I, I read that, or I think I heard it in a podcast. We were sharing between us these links. Mm -hmm. and one of them was a link to a podcast for... Um, I believe it was either Sam Harris or Joe Rogan. Both of them have a great episode mm -hmm. with a, 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 a perspective... Um, sorry, an expert in um, disease control. And so I learned a lot from, from either of those podcasts. Again, I'll, I'll share the links and, you know, put them yeah. in, the, in the bio here. But yeah, to, to know that like all, almost all the medical supplies come from outside of the country doesn't really make you feel very comfortable when something like this is going to happen. And not even that, there's, there's many different examples of where outsourcing very urgent care is 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 like prevalent so also found out that most of the world most of the world's not just the united states but the world's uh iv bag production is is from puerto rico i believe which is crazy when you think about it right so yeah it's, it's crazy it's it's almost comical to hear that some of this stuff comes out of china though it's like okay well maybe i need these supplies <laughs> but maybe I should, i'm better off not using them at all <laughs> It could lead you to many different conspiracy theories when you think about it. Oh, yeah. you need this medicine now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm. Go down that rabbit hole. I know, man. I, I've actually just let go of all of that stuff. I, I honestly think that this is such a zero-sum game for everyone involved that there's no way it could have been. If they'd known what would have happened, I'm pretty sure you know no one would have would have it, created this mess know, in the first place. It's hard not to dig into it though. Like, especially when we yeah. have a wor worldwide quarantine and chill, like deal going <laughs> on right now, it's hard not to start digging into this stuff and try to figure out what's going on. There's just so many weird things that have been happening too. Mm. Uh, especially with all these like CEOs stepping down, like right before coronavirus. And um, I have a list somewhere. Hold on. I got to pull it up. There's a list of CEOs that have been stepping down. Before it hit, they have stepped down. Yeah, hold on, I have it on my phone. Yeah, before yeah, the coronavirus was really like announced in the U.S. Um, before it was really a pandemic, like Bob Iger, of uh, CEO of Disney, stepped down. Right. Uh, CEO for Salesforce stepped down. CEO for Mastercard stepped down. CEO for Uber Eats 
CEO for Hulu, CEO for MGM, the CEO for IBM, the CEO for Match, CEO for LinkedIn, CEO for Harley Davidson, CEO for Tinder, <laughs> CEO for T-Mobile, all stepping down. Uh, that includes Bill Gates stepping down as a board member for Microsoft and Berkshire Hathaway. Okay, but that was after, right? That was after it hit. <laughs> That was that was after for Bill Gates, but but you're saying that all of those CEOs that you've just mentioned stepped yeah. down before the virus hit. Yeah, I think they all did step down before the virus hit. It's like they're like anticipating what was going to happen with the market. It's just yeah, it's they kind of knew out before it got bad. But how is that? It, I'm just thinking, like trying to think rationally. Is that is that a normal day? Because I don't know. I've never. That's read not a normal day. That's that's the most. CEO step down, step backs, and I think ever in a, in a single year, in at least U.S. history, as far as I'm aware of, like, <laughs> so that's either proceeding maybe worse than a recession, like an actual depression. Um, at least that is really strange. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a lot of weird stuff going on. As worried as I am about the coronavirus, I'm far more worried about the markets. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. That's the the one thing that people, I guess you can kind of, you have a bit of control over both in a way. Whereas you know there are there are ways you can change what you're doing to to adjust for the for the lack of income that you don't have anymore, right? But not yeah. that much um, for most people. And then you've also got things you can do to kind of protect yourself and your immune strengthen your immune system, keep yourself out of harm. But then. It's just a huge kind of question mark. Everything else is just out of your control. And I think that's what's really freaking everybody out is because it's all happening at once. So their health is something that they feel very uncomfortable about because they don't feel like they're in control of it. And then they've also got that economic side too, which is like, holy shit, I might get super sick. I might even die. But at the same time, I'm not making any money either. And I've got to find a way to like feed my family and keep the... Right. The, I mean, the, the reality with the virus is, I mean, if you're young and you get it, I mean, it'll most likely just be like the flu and you'll be fine in the end. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like who you're giving it to, because if you're like over 60 um, and you're elderly or you or you have some kind of respiratory illness or any other illness that would affect your immune system greatly, then that puts you at much higher risk for fatality. Um, mm -hmm. And while for most young people, they don't need to worry about um, the, the fatality aspect of it, um, they should be worried about who they're giving it to because there's there's a lot of elderly people out there. And, you know, and there's that'll add up in the overall death toll by the time this is all said and done. But I mean, even despite that, I mean, I'm far more worried with the markets, like I've probably said a billion times, I'm, I'm worried about... Um, the fate of the dollar and how the banking system is going to react to this overall. Um, I've already started to hear that in some places in the U.S., some banks have been restricting withdrawals because, I mean, there's a lot of people going in trying to wow. grab cash right now. Um, and across across the markets outside just equities, I mean, Bitcoin's down, gold, silver, platinum are all down. Um, so it's not reflecting issues with either of those being a store of value, but the fact that people are running for cash right now, uh, mm. cash because they're afraid of this virus, afraid of the markets and um, clearing out the shelves like from New York to LA to Vegas to 
um, across the U.S. Everyone I know is just terrified because the shelves are completely empty. No cleaning supplies, no medical supplies, no food. Um, it's, it's getting really bad in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. I haven't been, so I don't know, but... Um, and I well, guess we don't have been. <laughs> neither of us want to go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can come back to Medellin, but no other flights because it's, uh, yeah, it's the only reason I'm not getting on a flight right now. I'm just partially don't want to take the risk to get the coronavirus, but at the same time, I also don't want to be caught up in what's happening in my country. And it, I know it's happening globally too, but I mean, if you look at some other very prominent first world country, shit's getting bad. Like look at Italy, for example. They have, yeah. they have like 20, 25, pushing 30,000 cases right now. People are dying at a really high rate. Um, and they've taken some extreme measures. I've been reading some articles today from people that have been posting them online that actually are in Italy living there. It'd be interesting um, to, to, to look at the, you know, the characteristics of the Italian people that are having, you know, dying because I, yeah. I heard that the rate's quite high for it, Italy. I remember Italy has a quite a large elderly population and mm -hmm. their diets aren't exactly the best, uh, if I remember correctly. So it would be interesting to see if that was also part of the reason why they have such a big reaction to this, or such a negative reaction to this, um, because I don't think it's the same in South Korea, for example. Right. No, it's, it's there's some interesting factors, including like climate and stuff too. I mean, it, this right. is really plaguing China, obviously. Um, this is plaguing Iran really badly. It's plaguing Italy and now spreading dramatically across Europe. France and Spain are taking some drastic measures, shutting yeah. down. I mean, country. my father's no. in Spain right now. And just yesterday, mm -hmm. I think they closed the closed the country down pretty much for, for flights, travel. Uh, I, yeah, they're, I, I they're trying it. to contain it, but I mean, I, I think it's, there's not much they can do about it at this point. It's, it's fucking everywhere. Um, yeah. Brazil is starting to get hit pretty bad. Um, obviously, the U.S. is starting to see a huge spike in cases, and the U.S. is a big country, so it's, it's going to get a lot worse in the major cities. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but I mean, there's some, I mean, if you look at the data, I mean, whether you look at some states in the U.S. or different countries, like super hot climates, super, super hot or tropical climates seem to really slow down the spread of the virus. Um, you see a lot less cases. So I'm hoping and praying that here, the city of Eternal Spring will keep that virus uh, spreading slowly <laughs> and maybe it won't be as bad. Um, I know cases in Nevada or very minimal right now. It's very, very hot there. But I mean, you go to the next state over and California's being devastated. Washington's being devastated. Um, look at cities like New York just being absolutely devastated by this. Mm. So, oh, yeah, it doesn't look like it's uh, anywhere near the peak. There's something interesting here I just shared with you. Uh, my brother actually, who's a pharmacist, works for the National Health System here in the UK. Mm. He said uh, he would sh share something with me. Um, which is like an official report. Uh, it looks like it's from uh, thelancet.com. Anyway, it's got a pretty interesting chart here, and it shows that uh, the case being shows basically cases being reported versus uh, the months since the uh, the the uh, the transmission of the virus. 
and yeah, it, it, it seems to be like, okay, social distancing, which is a keyword right now, I suppose, sure. is really powerful for controlling the disease or the spread of the disease. And people are still going out and partying and doing social stuff in small or large groups. It depends where you are, because I know that they've been banned in some countries. But for example, right. here in the UK, there's been no ban. There's been no ban on that. Universities are still open. Schools are still open. People are feeling really quite uneasy about the whole thing. And um, But it shows here social distancing really does work. So if you want to see an end to this anytime soon, it could be a simple case of just distancing yourself from others and staying isolated. I know that's pretty hard for some people to <laughs> imagine, but it, it really does seem to, to work. Like Actually, what happened? Yeah, you go uh, ahead. This, well, the sentiment behind social distancing is is good. And I obviously think that people should be practicing it right now, especially if they do feel like they might have uh, some kind of sickness or flu symptoms. But, I mean, the reality is, are you really going to be able to get millions and millions of people to actually do that? Because I see people running around all the time still. I and mean, even when I talk to all my friends back in the U.S., I mean, people are still running around doing stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I know it might help curtail some of it. Um, but I mean, in the end, I don't think it's really going to change a whole lot. There's a lot of ways for the virus to spread and to, <laughs> and to stick around. Um, and I, I just don't think that, you know, 300 million people in the U S are going to stay home and quarantine and chill. And, <laughs> um, just, it doesn't feel realistic. And even if they did imagine the catastrophe that would have on the economy to have just, yeah, well, that's the other thing quiet, too. I mean, quiet streets and businesses, no money flowing whatsoever. Um, it kind of makes you wonder what's better or worse, <laughs> you know, yeah. like having people get the infection because they're not social distancing or just social distancing. And then the economy going down the drain. Well, they're better off just figuring out, who's who's traveled and then if you've been traveling outside the country that you should put yourself in quarantine for a 14-day period minimum and then that would help prevent the virus coming here mm. and then what they should do is they should figure out what cities are having it the worst and they should do what china's doing they should do mass sterilization tell everyone to go home lay low for a week you know, and then start sterilizing these cities because, I mean, mm. yeah, you can go home, but I mean, how many things did you touch or sneeze on or yeah. wipe your ass on? Or, yeah. So it's, I mean, yeah, social distancing is a good practice, especially if you've been traveling. But I mean, biologically, the way viruses work, it's not enough to just completely stop it. Right. I mean, a lot of people are acting like, okay, we're going to go home and watch Netflix and Disney Plus and, uh, do nothing for 14 days and then it'll be all better. Fine and dandy unicorns and rainbows. That's not the reality. I mean, the reality is people will do that and then we're going to have a second wave of it. Right. Which is actually in that graph. That's the risk of resurgence there where it happened. And yeah. These, that's how these viruses work. We'll have a second wave of it. A second wave will be a lot worse. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that people stay calm and don't panic like for real, but, and then actually take reasonable precautions and not go completely clear out the store, but 
you know, buy what they need. And then when they're able to go out and spend some money and do normal things, because mm. the, the biggest problem is going to be yeah. how this affects the markets. Like the New York Stock Exchange has already been discussing whether or not to completely shut down the trading floor going into next week. That's how mm. bad it's. Um, yeah, I heard that. Uh, I think it was Japan were issuing out um, allowances to elderly to get them to try to uh, spur mm-hmm. the economy on a little bit more, which is, uh, I don't know if that worked or not, but, you know, overall. There's a lot of things we're doing. Yeah, it's, it's probably just a drop in the pool of, of, of the overall picture, but you're right. You are correct. I would say, I would say it's probably beyond the point of no return now, and we're just going to have to weather this. So I thought, I thought, or I think, I possibly still think that I could have coronavirus. I'm not that worried, but um, you know, in terms of mixing with other people, I'm deciding that I'm going to stay away from others as much as I can. And um, yeah, I don't think I'm in the the, the range of people age-wise that need to be worried about this kind of thing, but it can be very disastrous for people who are older. What do, you think gonna, what do you think we're going to do for <laughs> what are your thoughts about the trajectory of the economy throughout the next couple of months? Uh, I don't think it's good. I, I really don't. Um, you have another graphic here too. I mean, the federal reserve, they just printed $500 billion um, on top of the 50 basis point cut and they might do another one. Um, the people's bank of China printed 79 billion the European Union printed 37 billion, South Korea printed 10 billion, Bank of Japan printed 2 billion, Britain printed 39 billion, Italy printed 8.4 billion. Um, you know, it's all this liquidity that they're trying to inject into the economy right now. It's just going to be worse and worse for fiat. You know, it's yeah. going to put a lot of pressure on these banks. It's going to put a lot of pressure on them um, to function properly. And they've had so many issues in the past. And I just don't think that this is going to end well for the for the dollar or for most major fiat currencies. And I think eventually in the end, whether it's in a couple months or at the end of this year um, or however long it takes for it to happen, I think we're going to see a real, real bad market crash, not just, you know, with stocks and equities and things like that, but in, like an actual collapse in, in fiat. Hmm. Um because people are going to start realizing it's not worth anything. And we keep inflating it away like that and trying to inject more money into the economy. And um, with all the panic and lack of people going out and spending money and, and putting value behind it. Um, and I don't think people are going to go back into stocks. I don't think people are going to go back into equities. I think when people take a look at what's happening and how our governments are treating it, they're going to flow into um, commodities are going to flow into gold, silver, platinum. They'll probably flow into Bitcoin um, just because they'll eventually start waking up to the reality that, you know, our, our system, our government, our financial system, it's failing. And it looks like it's going to fail in quite a spectacular way globally. Is that why you think it's going to be different this time? Because it's almost like we never learn from our mistakes, though. I, I think for a long time it's been controlled. Um, for a long time, things have been manipulated. And I think for the first time in a while, we have a real um, dark horse event, black swan event. Um, 
with the coronavirus that's really just plaguing how how people live in daily life and it's it's plaguing these markets um and i don't think it's something they can control i mean whether you believe that it happened between chickens and ferrets <laughs> in wuhan or if it was right. a bioweapon or if it was a uh, created in a lab and then horribly gone wrong um, there's a lot of possibilities obviously but um, it, it feels like a, a real black swan event happened that most people or that even people behind the scenes can't really control or manipulate. Mm. Um, and I think that's could potentially be enough of a catalyst w- with how persistent it is. And the fact that we have no vaccine coming out, mm. that this could really for once bring down financial markets and we could have a global financial reset. So you think it'd be worse than let's say 2008? I think it'll be far worse in 2008. I think 2008 was a glimpse at what could have happened if the government didn't step in and bail out the banks. But, I mean, Bitcoin was born out of the recession too in 2008. That's the Mm -hmm. whole reason for its existence. You know, I think there's enough education out there and I think enough people understand what Bitcoin is that, you know, if people promote it in the right way and advertise it, you know, as financial markets collapse, it could see mm-hmm. tremendous strides mm-hmm. um, along, alongside precious metals and other commodities and, and things that have normal stores of value. But in terms of a functioning form of money or, um, or store value that's um, non-physical, but that's always there, that you can't manipulate, that you can't inflate um, or replicate, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of value in that. I think people are going to wake up to it. Mm, yeah interesting i don't know i mean you're the expert in in that field i just my my own personal kind of opinion on this whole thing is that people don't learn from their mistakes (laughs) um but yeah if, if like if what you're saying comes true which i genuinely hope it doesn't but i do like the idea of it i you know i'll explain that too like i don't want there to be massive commotion right no one does i don't want to be uncomfortable no one does but then the only way that i see anything ever changing is through like a metamorphosis and i think metamorphosis happens when there's a huge disruption and then you know the new form appears which could be that decentralized um platform but but yeah, I, I just genuinely at this point in my life i feel like it would be nice to have some comfort um but I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like unless the unless the currencies really die somehow, uh, and and I and I, I'm listening to you talk about it, and it's kind of scaring me, you know, <laughs> the way that you say it's going to be much worse in 2008. That was a nightmare for a lot of people, you know. It was, and I'm not trying to fear monger or anything, but I mean, that's the reality. But I mean, you should be op- optimistic, and you should look for all the opportunities that are being presented, like. Right. There's a lot of them on the table. Yeah. yeah. No, exactly. No. Go ahead. Exactly. I, and and I, I was talking to every time people bring up the the fact that <clears throat> they they are worried about their income and they're worried about their job prospects and they don't know what's going to happen. I kind of usually counter with, well, it's in these kinds of times when there are massive opportunities and they could be any kind of opportunity. There's a lot of them. Like you said, there's a lot of them on the table and I'm not going to say this out of the other, but 
these kinds of situations breed new markets and new uh, potential, you know, businesses and ways of making money. So why not, you know, stay positive? And I think when you when you if you can keep your positivity to a certain degree, creativity flows and then creativity breeds new ideas and new ideas turn into new ways of making money. So, yeah, I think that would be great advice for people just to keep your head up and and know that this is not the last time something like this is going to happen. And there's things we can do to survive. Yeah, I think and that's a big part of it, too, is just being optimistic and knowing that, you know, it's a scary time there's a lot of crazy shit happening but if you look for the opportunities um and not just uh panic the whole time and like look at what's on the table um there's a lot of opportunity for people to completely change their lives in a positive way mm. um, and yeah we might be heading for a real bad depression we might be heading for um a global financial reset in a lot of ways but if you're proactive and you understand that you know a lot of great things come out of bad times too a lot of people have made fortunes in bad times you know that's usually how these investors really popular investors get wealthy you know mm -hmm. and do well uh, they look for the blood in the street and they look for the opportunities to go in and invest and um i think if you position yourself properly um, there's a lot of opportunity on the table and it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're wealthy, middle-class, um, in poverty, you, you just gotta, you gotta look around you. Like, and, and we've made some jokes about people, you know, selling and flipping hand sanitizer and masks and things like right. that. Yeah. There's maybe there's a immoral aspect to it, but it's an opportunity and people, there are people that are being op opportunistic and looking for ways to, to profit. Right. Right. And yeah. You should have a moral center with some of it, <laughs> but I mean, at the same time, you should also have that mindset to go out and look for different ways to, to play on this, you know, to make, to make income, to make money, to, to change your life. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and those amazing opportunities, they don't come very often and we're sitting in the middle of one right now. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting times, bro. Interesting times. Well, I mean, from over here, um, all I can do is really sit it out and wait, but um, can't wait to come back to Medellin, <laughs> get myself out of this freezing cold weather. Somewhere I love it. Here. I love it. How is it there right now? Like what's going on? It's good. Um, I mean, in terms of the virus, I mean, there's a lot of people that are kind of freaked out about it, but I mean, the, the sentiment is a lot different than American sentiment in the U.S., um, the, the people are just different. They handle it a lot differently. They're, they kind of just like, okay, we accept it. Now let's go party. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whereas in the U.S., they just completely freak out. My fire alarm just went off. <laughs> I was wondering what that sound was. And it stops. That's the third time it's gone off and then stops. So whoever's pulling that fucking fire alarm, I'm, I'm going to... <laughs> I'm going to kill them, I swear to God. Because I'm already on high alert right now. <laughs> yeah, they're just messing with you, bro. <laughs> I know. Let's mess with that gringo in 9-11. <laughs> yeah, like, have a lot of tourists left, do you think? Or are they just hanging around because they have to? No, they're still here. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I mean, I was out last night and getting some food and whatnot. And 
tons and tons of people out spending money, having getting beer, getting food, food. <laughs> getting getting hungover. <laughs> right. Um, and then all the restaurants are completely full. The bar is completely full. I mean, it hasn't disrupted commerce here. Right. Um, people have kind of accepted the fact that it's a global health emergency. It's a pandemic, well, technically an endemic. Um, and they've just, they've taken their precautions and moving forward with life like normal. And I like seeing that it's, it's a good sign. And I'm hoping that it stays that way. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the virus will obviously get a lot worse here, but I mean, going out and doing normal things and not panicking is really important for keeping your economy somewhat stable. That's possibly one of the reasons why I think there's been quite a divided response to how Boris Johnson in the UK is dealing with this and his cabinet. And, and I don't know if you know what's been happening in the UK, but essentially they want people to be infected. <laughs> and that sounds really weird. But um, but basically what they're, they're saying is if the, if they can get the numbers up over time, to like around about 60%, which is the critical mass of people that you would need to have um, uh, uh, immunity against something like this, then if it becomes a seasonal virus, which they think it will, uh, then you're not going to have this happen every year because the critical mass is too big for it to, to, um, to become a problem for the country. So... Yeah, there's a little. I think there's a little bit of misunderstanding about what they're really trying to say. And you know what people are like. They're very sensational when they get emotional and they can jump to conclusions and they can start labeling and you know, a lot of violence can manifest because of that. But uh, I, I, yeah, I, I feel like I feel like they're they're being a bit more clever about things from one perspective by saying, "Look, dudes, dudettes, you're going to get sick." It's not nothing we can really do anything about in any great capacity, but why not? Let's do this instead of getting sick every year, like crazy. Let's, uh, let's work towards kind of getting rid of this, like the first time around. And, uh, I just don't think a lot of people really kind of are listening to reason right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can see from their perspective why they're doing some of that, but what, what worries me is the fact that this virus mutates a lot. Mm. Expecting that people will build an immunity to this virus by letting them get infected, um, it's it's kind of naive in a lot of ways. You think and it'll worry a lot more? Well, it's already mutating. The strains are completely different by region, um, and they're affecting different people. Like it used to really just attack for mostly people with ACE two receptors. Um, that's why um, a lot of these <clears throat> Asian. Uh, population centers have been getting hit so bad with it. But I mean, it's at the point now where it's mutated in such a weird way that it's hitting completely different uh, climates and completely different uh, groups of people. Um, So it's like you could come up with a vaccine and you could come up with different ways to, to all have a little coronavirus party and get everyone infected because you think you'll never get it again. But the reality is you're going to get it again. No, it's going to be a very tough virus to completely curtail. It's going to be one of those things where we're going to have to let uh, subside in a lot of ways and hoping that um, issuing a vaccine won't make the virus stronger too. Uh, That's another thing I worry about. I'm I'm just not sure how uh, malicious this virus is going to be long-term. I mean, we've only seen the effects of it for the past like two months or so. 
um, really take effect. And I know I think we're going to have a second wave of it. And I think that's the next wave is going to be a different strain. It's going to be a lot worse. Mm. Um, but I don't know. I'm hoping for the best. I am. And I'm being optimistic about curtailing this virus and ending it. But I really don't think it's going to stop for quite a while until, you know, it's um, people get used to it. I think it's going to be one of those things that um, will be persistent. But I mean, hopefully the more malicious versions of this virus, we can maybe come up with a vaccine for um, it's, it's tough doing that stuff. Like, and having a science background, I know how tough it is to come up with a vaccine for a virus that can mutate that quickly. And, right. um, and all the bureaucracy really. behind it. And, but I mean, they, they gotta, they gotta do something. So it's, it's getting pretty out of hand. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they'll come up with something relatively soon. I mean, I, I, I've been I've been hearing there's a lot of new technologies that enable them to do genome sequencing a lot faster these days and kind of come up with some some kind of response at least a lot faster than it used to take, which was like tens of years, I think, or something. But um, I'm sure they'll come up with something soon. It's uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting next few months, bro. I think I think that's going to be the real critical uh, time is for, is now in the next few months and see how this kind of mutates and grows and or gets halted or whatever however we manage to deal with it uh because like you said like the economy isn't going to hang around forever right it's it's going to crash at some point like big time uh yeah yeah my that's my fear too so we'll see how things go but but like i said earlier there's a metamorphosis you know, usually I think it's the death of something and then the the birth of something else. It's always been the same way throughout history. So who knows what's lying on the other side of this um, epic cataclysmic event, potentially cataclysmic event. Well, it could yeah, be a much better world. Like right, right. I mean, if you look at evolution, for example, um, you know, people, humans, we we change, we evolve, our mindset evolves you know, when we're put at the precipice, like it's great that we have Bitcoin, but I mean, in a normal day over the last 10, 11, 12 years or whatever, the Bitcoin has existed. There's been no real need to use it. Mm. Despite it being born out of the recession. Um, yeah, there's really been no reason for people to adopt it because mm. most walk around they're like okay well what's wrong with the dollar the dollar is just fine right now i'm going to keep okay. using the dollar yeah. but when you take people in this giant global petri dish that we're in right now and you put them through a massive crisis like this and you see the dollar collapse or you see fiat in general collapse you're going to push people to the precipice to change their mindset on what value is what money is mm. you know and one of the first things that will come up is bitcoin Mm -hmm. You know, you can't inflate Bitcoin. You can't duplicate Bitcoin. Um, you can't in, induce Bitcoin to or control it or, you know, manipulate it the same way you can a fiat currency. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and yeah, while that's been a reality, people don't wake up to that stuff. You have to take them from an evolutionary standpoint. You have to put them at the precipice. And I think this virus is really first step in that process. And I think as these markets fail and as people see global markets collapse, they'll start realizing what their options are. And, you know, they'll probably 
be forced to be educated on what real money is and what where real value is. And so that's the thing that I'm very, very optimistic about is mm-hmm. the fact that we're at this precipice point um, that maybe with we're very, like, very fragile legacy financial markets. Right. And it's a huge uh, window of opportunity for people to adopt Bitcoin on a mass mm-hmm. scale, to go back to precious metals on a mass scale, to commodities on mass scale. I tell you something. Said. That would that would be an interesting scenario. Getting rid of quote unquote, getting rid of banks. That would be a very interesting scenario where it would be no longer have that that like monolithic institution that kind of weighs everything down in a way. You know. I've always seen that industry as being potentially, not potentially, but almost completely unnecessary from the perspective of someone who already, you know, has already seen what Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies can do. And uh, I mean, I don't think anyone really knows for sure what that world looks like, but I'm pretty confident it's going to be a nice place to live. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of governments have been, looking at doing some kind of digital currency for quite a while um, to replace the fiat system. And, you know, big tech has really been pressing their thumb on the, on big banks lately. Um, Because you don't need to go through a bank to to do transactions anymore. I mean, you can use Apple pay or Samsung pay. You can use the cash app. You you can get a, a visa card with, with some tech company rather than walk into your bank and go through that whole process. Mm-hmm. No, it's so much easier to get financing through a tech company than it is at the bank. It's ridiculous. And that's just foreshadowing where we're going in terms of money, not just technology. Right. So I, I think the banks are going to be very obsolete pretty soon. Right. And I think you know big tech is really starting to take that over. And that's another thing that will also drive – people to consider using something that's decentralized to use something like Bitcoin too. Um, that's just another long-term factor, but I don't think it's the main one at play, but the big banks in general, just the banking system, this legacy banking system, it, it just feels like it's over. <laughs> mm-hmm. Kind of hanging on by the thread. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then maybe there's an Ozymandias somewhere, you know, the, the, the movie Watchmen. Yeah. And that dude who's the rich guy and he's the one who orchestrates the whole thing. And it is a big twist at the end that you realize that he, he was like planning the whole thing the whole time. Maybe there's just yeah, one guy. Sounds like Bill Gates. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. I was lining it up for you, bro. Yeah, I'll try not to go through no. and go into the rabbit hole of Bill Gates too much. But I mean, it is really weird stuff. Yeah, it sounds weird too. But 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 did I ever send guy, you the? Uh, did I ever send you the event two hundred one videos? Were, were those the demonstration videos for the pandemic response? Yeah. So back in October, which is also just freak, freakishly coincidental, um, because there was no mention of it yet. Yeah, it was just weird. So I mean, the bill. Melinda Gates Foundation, John Hopkins, CDC, a number of other prominent people, they all got together for what's called Event 201, and they did a simulated pandemic for the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. Um, I did watch it. And 
I know you should, you should watch it again. And they, what they found was that if there was a coronavirus pandemic that on estimate, on estimate, there would be 64 million fatalities across the globe, which is a really, really big number. Mm. Um, and then the fact that it, it started cropping up in, in late December and in, in Wuhan and, and now it's, it's global already. It's, it's just such a weird coincidence that all that stuff occurred in such a short period of time. And then Johns Hopkins had to come out with a statement saying that the simulation they did is on a coronavirus strain that's not related to this coronavirus strain. And then you start looking at the numbers and you're just like, well, I mean, this thing's pretty damn bad and it's spreading pretty fast. Like, I mean, what, what is the difference? Like people are actually dying in big numbers and we're just getting started. Um, And then the Bill Melinda Gates foundation owns the patent for the coronavirus for these simulated, um, uh, simulated pandemics, um, which is also really weird. And then he's decided to step down from the board for Microsoft and Berkshire Hathaway and focus on philanthropy. But Bill's always been like, you, you, you know, we talked about this. Bill's always been, and again, this is, well, I guess we are going down the rabbit hole to a certain degree, but, but, but I know this as well because I've followed Bill Gates for some time now and mm-hmm. I do respect him greatly and everything he's done. Uh, yeah, absolutely. He's, he's definitely a proponent for population reduction. Whether And population reduction sounds awful. I think, obviously, people immediately respond to, to it with kind of like thoughts of elimination right. of people. But, but I think the way that he is, has, has at least been in the past tackling population reduction was through education, through... Um, improving infrastructure and just making it a lot easier for people to to live, which which ironically kind of reduces population indirectly. So, uh, but but yeah, he has, and and so it kind of brings to it brings to mind, you know, the the question of well, is he really, <laughs> you know, involved with yeah. the virus? Yeah. I I certainly hope not. I do like Bill Gates. Bill, if you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> who knows bro who knows maybe he's got it on his reading uh list at night (laughs) yeah he's got it on his microsoft surface tablet right now sitting at home listening to the podcast um damn it those guys figured it out (laughs) it's like damn it they figured it out someone shut down (laughs) the podcast tomorrow (laughs) uh I, i i certainly hope not but i mean it's it's certainly very weird how all those ties come together in such a short time frame, and it's not like like spoofy stuff. Like it's real things that they've been doing, um, you know. And he was actually talking about pandemics like five, six years ago. He did a TED talk on it too, mm-hmm. talking about how the world is ill prepared for global pandemics. I mean, how long from one perspective, you could look at it like that. You could say, I mean, that is a kind of a, a, a that is a, a way out of that whole paranoia of being yeah. involved in this. It's just to say, well, we weren't we weren't ready for it, and it's true. But like, you know, how 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 convenient is it that this is happening at this time? It's it seems to have been some kind of a build up, and people, all those CEOs stepping down now, it starts to really look weird, right? Yeah, very weird. It, all, all just weirdly coincidental, if it is. But that—that's if you go down a rabbit hole and start becoming right. a conspiracy theorist. And <laughs> exactly, and I, I don't think people like, you know, kind of 
people don't like that kind of thing. Uh, I, I mean, I, I've been, I've been kind of a, you know, digging deep when when the two thousand eight markets collapsed and we went to war and all that kind of thing. And I, I and I think many people did because they were just like, mm-hmm. why the fuck are we going to war with these people, right? And th- there was obviously some some links you could make there, but. I think overall people people find it difficult to believe that kind of thing because they wouldn't they wouldn't want to live in a world where that kind of thing can happen but it really can um as far as i'm concerned so i'm not putting it you know i'm not putting it in in the trash can so uh but well, let's there, i mean there's there's being a conspiracy theorist and then there's denial mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so there's there's a lot of people that just flat out deny that the world isn't unicorns and rainbows that's why there's so much panic. That's why there's so many problems. Um, and that denial is not healthy because I can tell you, I mean, from the reality we live in, if you think that your government is honest with you about everything, you're very naive. You know, if you think that um, you live in a world of unicorns and rainbows, you're very naive. And I don't think it's healthy for people to live like that either. Like, I'm not saying freak out about everything and become a conspiracy theorist. But living in denial that nothing bad is happening behind the scenes, that nothing is being, um, there's no deals being cut behind the scenes. There is no bribery, you know, that there is no corruption. Those things do exist. And while it's hard to figure it out, I mean, it is something that you should be aware of. And, you know, this is just another scenario where there's enough writing on the wall that, I mean, you should consider the possibilities that, yeah, maybe the coronavirus was a bioweapon or maybe the Gates Foundation and John Hopkins had something to do with it. It's mm. all very reasonable stuff to consider. And it's not like you're taking blowing it out of proportion, mm. but to be in denial about it, that's the worst thing you can do. I mean, obviously have a level head, but definitely don't be in denial that nothing is happening behind the scenes. There's a lot happening behind the scenes right now. Yeah. Maybe all it takes is people like Edward Snowden to come forward, you know, and kind of mm-hmm. build the beans. Because I know if there are things like this happening behind the scenes, people, good people are involved. And it's usually that fear of kind of, well, if I do say anything, what's going to happen to me and my family and the people that I'm close to? And I think that's what stops most people from from talking. But, you know, I've listened to Edward Snowden on Joe Rogan, for example, and he is just people hate him some people hate edward snowden because they think that he yeah. he he he's a uh, you know like just going against everything they stand for which is not true it's probably the opposite way around actually and i appreciate people who can muster the guts to 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 speak out when you know they know something is is uh, of of massive uh uh wrongful doing is happening and, and, and bring it to light. So that was a huge, by the way, that was a huge thing. I think people don't realize how big that was, but mm-hmm. that, that was a massive, massive, um, uh, whistleblowing event. And it changed, you know, at least as far as I can see, it changed the way that yeah. uh, companies deal with, uh, private information. Yeah. Him and, uh, him and Julian Assange. Julian Assange. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I definitely follow him and WikiLeaks a lot because they put out a lot of interesting stuff. But, you know, some people look at that as, as treason. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you're a patriotic American, you love your flag, 
<laughs> you know, you just, despite whether it's good or bad stuff and whatever the morality aspect of it is, they just see it as, you know, treason. And, you know, I'm going to put my country first. So yeah, you should go to jail. I don't care if you're right or not. I think that's um, the kind of toxic, uh, unhelpful kind of attitude you're referring to, isn't it? When you're just blanket kind of viewing something as right or wrong because of the way that you have been led to believe something really is. And that could be your flag. It could be your culture. And, um, and I just, yeah, I, I always kind of I just kind of roll my eyes whenever I see that happening because it's not, you know, it's not very smart. You know, we're, we need to be aware of, of whether we're being treated fairly or unfairly, whether there's something that, you know, people are masquerading around as, as, as being mm-hmm. just when it's actually very unfair. And Yeah, I think the idea of just is so twisted in so many ways because people will get mad at um snowden for instance and Mm -hmm. say that he put so many americans at risk for unveiling classified information and whatnot and just stupid you think about it look how many americans were already at risk because of what all this shady shit was happening true look at all the americans that are now aware of that people around the world that are aware of that what these tech companies have been doing like what these banks have been doing um, what's been done with your private personal information, what the NSA is doing. You know, if he would have never done that, imagine how many Americans or how many people globally, you know, would would continue to be affected by this mm-hmm. on a mass scale. So to say that he's unpatriotic and committing treason, put Americans at risk is the stupidest thing you could say. Absolutely. He it's- saved so many people in, in a lot of ways. And when it comes to your privacy and self-sovereignty, <laughs> I think he's still living in Russia right now. Yeah, he can't really live anywhere else. <laughs> he can't. He can't live anywhere else. It's such a shame. It's such a, it a shame. such a huge price to pay for for doing the right thing. And that's why I think so few people are willing to do it. Because I remember listening to um, Bob Salazar, which is the dude who worked at Area Fifty One. Uh, 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 I don't want to make this even further down the rabbit hole. <laughs> We're already down the rabbit hole. Why not? Dude, right? We're already here. We should we should go the whole nine yards. Um, again, this guy is uh, someone who has reluctantly spoken up, and you, you you don't need to trust me on that. You can go and watch any of the interviews he's done over the course of a few decades, actually, and they all add up. Um, not that I've watched them all, but I watch documentaries where they basically reference interviews and I can see that there's a, an alignment there. So it's very difficult to, to, to make shit up like that. But anyway, suffice to say, this guy didn't want to fuck his life up. He just wanted to tell people what was really going on. And um, apparently they are testing things with a technology that didn't really exist on this planet before. So... Yeah. Um, he he can't he can't live comfortably anymore. He's he's constantly harassed by the FBI, and um, yeah, he he he's on record for saying that if he could do it all again, he would have just kept his mouth shut. If he'd known what his life would turn out like, he would never have done that. He would never have spoken up. He would have preferred to just work on the technology because it was so interesting and it was so. Um, fulfilling for him and he threw it all the way he said by speaking up and he's just being honest but like Mm -hmm. you know um we need people like him to do that we need people to to 
to, to speak up because if we don't we're just going to get a world that we live in like the one we live in right now which based on this conversation could very well be coming to an end very soon <laughs> <laughs> hopefully not hopefully not hopefully not but hopefully so in a way yeah there, there are a lot of cases like that especially with area 51 i mean it's obviously been such a hot topic for so many years um, but I mean, they do, they do so much classified military testing there and stuff. I mean, who all, who knows what else they do? Um, but there's a lot of people that will get gigs to work there and they'll be told like ahead of time, like before you take this job and everything, it's highly classified. Anything you, you do there, see there, say there, you know, if you say anything outside of that, um, we'll take your wife and kids and your life will be miserable and you'll spend the rest of your, your days in jail, things like that. Right. You know, and they're, they're normal people. They'll commute to McCarran airport in Vegas and they'll fly out of the main airport, right, you're private plane into area 51 and they'll work. And then after their, their work, they'll come back and their daily lives. And it's so many stories of people that have worked there and done stuff and they'll say a little bit, but they really are just afraid to really divulge yeah. anything publicly because um, you know, they, the government takes it so seriously and that's, mm-hmm. what's kind of driven so many of these, um, theories about what's going on at area 51. Are there little green men walking around? Is it just military stuff? Like, I don't know, <laughs> but it's, um, it doesn't help all that secrecy. And, you know, that kind of goes back to what I was saying about people living in denial. You can't live in denial about things. I mean, our government keeps a lot of secrets for a lot of reasons. You know, there's a lot of things done under the table. So it's healthy to question some of that stuff. You know, you don't want to drink the Kool-Aid all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It can be too much, but, but, but I'm starting to think now the more connected we get, the more hooked in or how would you say plugged in we become to Mm -hmm. this potential hive mind that Elon Musk talks about a lot. Uh, which is essentially uh, a collective consciousness, right? Of just connected people. And it could be online. It could be any other iteration of the internet as we know it today. But if the more connected we become, I think the less this kind of stuff is going to, sorry, the, the, the more transparent things will become because it'll be so much easier to just disseminate information and it'll be so much easier to, um, at least how I see it, I, I may be wrong, but it, it, it's potentially going to be so much easier to bring things to the forefront of people's consciousness. And um, I'm actually excited about that. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about it, too. Um, hoping that it, it wakes people up in a lot of ways and uh, <coughs> maybe see a, a shift in overall mindset, a community mm-hmm. mindset um, and how we look at things. Well, I think we're a ways away from uh, getting a neuro connection to the internet <laughs> uh, and some any kind of AI installed in us. But uh, yeah, bro, uh, I I'm just I'm just super super uh, interested in seeing how the next few months um, go through. I, I'm actually strangely not that worried. I don't know why. I don't know why. Probably because. Well, let me think about this. I'm not, you know, I've been called a panicker 
uh, mm -hmm. during the process uh, by people close to me. My my mother has called me a panicker or said that I've been panicking. And I, I, in my mind, I'm not panicking. I'm just being very pragmatic. I, I want to make sure things are in place. I want to make sure if there's a risk, we mitigate it. I, you know, um, given that I think I might have the disease uh, or the illness or whatever, I'm using everything I can to make sure I don't transmit it to people. Um, but but I'm not panicking and I'm not panicking about the economic downturn too. And I think it's probably because I know that we've been through worse things before, you know, and we've come out on top. So, so yeah, hopefully that helps someone out there who is panicking uh, to kind of like keep their head up and just breathe and have faith that, uh, that there's always going to be a solution to this. And if we stick together and we work together, uh, we'll be able to, to overcome it together. Yeah, stay calm out there, people. Drink Clement's Kool-Aid. <laughs> Drink my Kool-Aid. It's only uh, it's only nine ninety nine. You can get it from these following stores. We'll put them in the description of the video, and uh, we'll yeah. get a giant logo of your face and put it on the bottle of you smiling with a thumbs up. Drink my Kool-Aid. Then you know it's really gonna sell. <laughs> That's it. Oh, That's yeah. all you need. We'll be your. We'll do a whole like slogan campaign for you. Mm. I would like that. I've got a pretty big ego, so you know, I'm all for it. <laughs> Drink the Kool Aid. Better design, not solutions. <laughs> yeah. Do you need a web funnel done? Then drink this Kool Aid. Do you need a web funnel done? Drink the Kool Aid. Clement Young, director. Better design, not solutions. <laughs> now is actually a really good time. I mean, if we're talking about opportunities, now is a really good time to advertise. Uh, if you're in certain industries and you're offering certain things, like for uh -huh. example, I'm sure I am more than sure that the entertainment industry is just booming right now because people are oh, yeah. buying into, you know, distractions they don't want to think about this whole thing that's going on they've got more time on their hands so they're spending more time on their phones on their computers on their tvs um there's there's tons of opportunity and and it's just like a wave it's up and down up and down yeah i can i can only imagine what some of the advertisements would be though going into a financial collapse like this like yeah. do you need a hazmat suit do you need a hazmat <laughs> suit for your whole family <laughs> yeah. buy our hazmat suit go to the grocery store in your hazmat suit hit the gym in your hazmat suit watch a movie in a hazmat buy our hazmat suits <laughs> yeah we were looking at them yesterday weren't we it was just, the, the luxury retail industry is starting to roll out their own hazmat stuff and you've got like gucci visors and masks and things i think it's ridiculous yeah i want a chanel n99 <laughs> <laughs> Stay in style during the apocalypse. Chanel. Honestly, honestly. You know, you know that movie Elysium? Yeah. I actually watched it the other day. It was on TV. Right. Do you remember that part? Did you did you see that part where the 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 the, the high level executive for the uh, the company is yep. riding around in this I think it's a Bugatti and uh, yep. it's all nicely done and everything and it's just basically you're in this post apocalyptic world and you're flying around in this really posh uh machine and it just it's a good it's a good stereotype of of of, of just our our insanity uh mm -hmm. it shouldn't even matter but it does for some reason and i think that's one of the things that's holding us back it's 19 hours and there you go it's 19 hours <laughs> why is it 19 hours 
I put, I've, I've configured my computer to tell me what the time is at every hour. And it's kind of annoying me now, especially That's on really podcast. annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I'd hate for my computer just in the middle of a podcast to shout, <laughs> it's 2 p.m. <laughs> It's like my it's like my MacBook would have Tourette's. <laughs> Just... Yeah. Hey, hey, it's two p.m. Don't okay. talk to me like that. Yeah, <laughs> dude, man. Oh god, I love it. I love the kind of things you just oh, man you can do with technology these days. I have my Syrian and Irish accent as well. Female. Really? Yeah, they do Irish accents. Yeah, I always, you know, I always thought there was an opportunity to do that for navigation, though. To have like a navigational system that wasn't so damn boring. It was like you can put your ways in Indian. You can have an Indian ways, and it's so funny. It's so funny. I don't know if they were taking a piss when they did it, but it's so funny. And I just feel but like I would, I would like like personalities, like actors, like like Morgan oh. Freeman <laughs> or, or Ice Cube or, or just. <laughs> or iced tea. Hey man, you missed a turn. The yeah. hell. <laughs> <laughs> and the man took a left turn now. Yeah. <laughs> I I just yeah, I think you can do that with AI one day. You'll be able to program whoever you want and it'll just calculate it on the fly. Uh, I, I, yeah, that'd be incredible. Just capture be... someone's personality, their voice, but like there's line. probably some level of uh you know, IP there that you need to be aware of. Like I saw recently Arnold Schwarzenegger took a Russian technology company to court because they created this robot, which has different heads. And it's like a concierge robot. <laughs> you put it yeah. on the uh, table in the entrance. And whenever someone comes in, it's like, hello, sir. May I interest you in some hors d'oeuvres? Please go straight, <laughs> straight ahead or they'll be on the table for you, that kind of thing. And it, and it had Arnold's head. And they were at a convention and Arnold was there. And they were like, can you take a photo with us and our creature of you? And he was like, no. And then he had his um, uh, lawyer issue, a, a, I think it was a 10 to $20 million lawsuit. So they really fucked up big time. Yeah, totally. Well, it's hard. It's hard with likeness. Um, Mm. But I mean, hopefully, you know, there's there's a lot of blockchain solutions for being able to monetize your own likeness. So I'm hoping that those come to fruition at some point, because it'd be nice to, you know, convince Arnold that he'd make millions and millions of dollars um, if we'd simply let him put his head on a machine and take your hors d'oeuvre orders. (laughs) Like. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I there's a lot of opportunities in some funny ways but you know being able to sell your likeness um and what what that things about you not just information but like who you are like if you're a celebrity or whatnot people would pay good sums of money to be able to use that mm. and they don't um, necessarily have to go through traditional channels they can just yeah that would be pretty exactly good. you could you could sell it on a decentralized database so anyone at any point could use it and then Arnold would automatically get paid in Arnold tokens. <laughs> that just sounds so funny. Arnold tokens. The Arnold tokens. <laughs> oh, man. Is anybody using Arnold tokens? <laughs> Have a new discount, a new offer. We're giving away 500,000 Arnold tokens. God, yeah. that'd be funny to see on, on, on Bloomberg. 
So today, the Dow Jones is down. The the Nasdaq is down. Arnold tokens are up. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, dude. You know the thing is though, uh, all these eighties action heroes, these icons are mm-hmm. are getting old. They're getting really old now. And exactly, I don't even know who the next. There is no replacement for these guys. There, there are oh, no. They were so yeah, kind you can't of replace Arnold or Balboa. Rocky Balboa, yeah, um, Sylvester Stallone. You can't replace guys like, you know, Jackie Chan and Jet Li, Bruce Lee, um, and guys just uh, yeah. uh, Clint Eastwood, for example. I love Clint Eastwood, but he's so damn old now. Like, how long is he going <laughs> to? He was old kicking. before. <laughs> well, he was very he famous when he was young now. too. He's maintained that mm. stardom for staggering amount of time but you know he's going to kick the can at some point <laughs> so it, it'd be nice yeah. to preserve guys like that their personalities and their likeness and whatnot and let that kind of live on a little bit i'm mm. sure ai will help yeah well i remember when the first time they did a hologram at a concert and it was a two-pack hologram i think and it looked pretty mm-hmm. convincing um but yeah again falling back to the movie that i told you about the other day and i'm just going to slot this in if you watch Never Stop Stopping by the Lonely Island, you'll see that they have um, Adam Levine pops up as an actual hologram on stage that with the dude. It is a hilarious film. You need to watch it to know what I'm talking about. But once you do, we can do a whole podcast on it because it's hilarious. <laughs> we'll just do a review of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Block hash review of Never Stop Stopping. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think my audience would get really annoyed with me. <laughs> yeah, it would probably be just a niche group within, but that's cool. That's cool. Like, oh, boy, we're going to learn about blockchain, and then we're just talking about these Lonely Island guys. And <laughs> exactly. Doing movie reviews. God, that would not be that would not be good. On the block. It, I've thought about it. I've thought about just having a separate spinoff podcast that's just – completely for entertainment purposes whether it's like reviewing stuff or reacting to stuff like with guests and whatnot or just kind of talking about things that are going on or shooting you shit bandwidth. you can do it bandwidth, I have bandwidth if you if you have the time and the and the, the resources you you can try it and see what happens i mean it, it, it wouldn't cost me anything it's it's just it's time it's like how much time can i dedicate to something like that how much you know, time do you have now? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean how, much, how much free time do I want to maintain? <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's hard trying to. Well, the biggest issue is taking finding the time, the valuable time to grow and push this podcast, which yeah. has been awesome. Some fantastic guests have seen incredible growth in the past year since I started it, um, but that's come with a lot of dedication to it. Um, and, you know, starting a second podcast and, and branding that and pushing that, um, it's just now take that effort, multiply it by two, Mm. which would be fine. Um, but you know, logistically, I can tell you that's the hardest part, logistically finding guests and whatnot. If I did another podcast, it was completely for entertainment. I'd need like a co-host yeah, (laughs) so that I didn't have to rely on guests because, you know, Uh, having these conversations back and forth. Well, I mean, you're welcome, Clemens. I'm here. You're welcome. I'm literally here. I think, <laughs> actually, anyone who's listening, I think that was a proposal. 
I think that was literally a subtle proposal and it, and it, and it was something that sure, makes sure. a lot of sense. Like <laughs> I'm, it's not the kind of proposal where I'm getting down on my knee no, right now, but it's, maybe a subtle, a subtle invitation potentially. Right, right, right. Okay. Well, look, I, wink, I'm going to have to think about it. So <laughs> <laughs> I need some time and I'm going to, I need some time to think about doing something that would be completely awesome and fun. <laughs> You know, my lymph node hurts. My lymph node hurts. And, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I have a swollen lymph node on my forehead. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's getting in the way of my uh, social life. But never mind. I have to take care of my lymph nodes. So I'll think about it. <laughs> okay, Clement. <laughs> oh, my God. Dude. Yeah. Let's hope I don't have this thing. If I don't have this thing. I feel like I'm going to get it anyway. That's how bad things are. So I don't really. I think there's a good chance that most people will get it. Mm. Um, But I think most people will realize that it's just like flu. Um, It's the the sick or elderly that I worry about far more. And and again, the markets. So we will will see. Time will tell. Yeah, bro. We will. We will. Let's all see together. Let's do it. Absolutely. So now that I'm stuck in Medellin, maybe I should do another podcast. That'd be interesting. You know, there's one way to look at it. Now, this is a business lesson for for anyone who's got their own startup. And it, it, it's all a question of, like you said earlier, do you have the time? Do you have the resources? Because huh, if if you're if you're if you're pushing something, I mean, you've been doing it for a year now, right? Yeah, I've been doing it for a year. Right. So you still have a lot of pushing to do, I think, um, if you want to. I don't know what your objectives are, but it, it all boils down to what you really want to achieve. And um, I, I know for a fact uh, from personal experience, if you spread yourself too thinly, you won't get anywhere. I mean, you could have five things on the go, but never actually do anything. Right. Uh, right. So, so it could it could be that it's just not the right time could be that you just need to put all your time and effort into Blockash and get that off the ground. Yeah, I mean, you if you take like a teaspoon or a tablespoon of peanut butter and put it on bread and you spread it too thinly, I mean, it's a terrible sandwich. Terrible, it's a terrible sandwich. sandwich. It is. It's I mean, and that's I a really that happened, weird but... analogy. But <laughs> um, I no, I, totally, I understand um, in terms of like time and everything, you never want to spread yourself too thin. Like I've gotten to that point where I've had so many good ideas and I've tried launching them all at once and going for it, um, you know, and they never pan out because they never get the time and attention that they need. I mean, yeah, I have 24 hours in a day, seven days a week, but I mean, for me to function properly yeah, and to be at my optimal self to be productive, I mean, I can't be awake 24 seven, but you know, within the hours that I operate, that I can be creative and come up with new ideas and you know, it's better spent on focusing at least one thing at a time, mm. you know, and then once you got something rolling and you got a process for it, and then that's when you can jump into the next thing. Absolutely. And I think I've gotten there too with my podcast. Like I've definitely gotten to the point where I have a routine for it. You know, I have a process for it and I'm very used to it, um, you know, and it's uh, I could I could definitely do a second podcast. I think and I know- like I think that I know I've seen what you're doing 
not closely, but I think I've seen it enough to know that you've probably got some bandwidth to do another one. I think you got to that point. So yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm already at the point where I'm trying to figure out what else I can do. Like I started, I'm doing an IGTV series, um, just me talking about then of the world (laughs) (laughs) once a week. Um, and that's kind of fun too. (laughs) And that fills up a few hours extra time, uh, maybe like once a week, surprisingly, not a lot of time for valuable content and doing a whole series on IGTV, um, which I'm enjoying doing. So I'm going to keep doing that as well, but I just feel like I have so much that I can expand my time on. So I'm like, okay, well, what else can I launch and create more content around? Like I could push something on YouTube or Twitch, um, which I've wanted to do for a while and just show my face more. Isn't like, isn't that gaming only or? It is, but it's also evolving. Like Twitch is starting to do TV shows and Mm. and things like that because they're owned by Amazon now because Amazon's trying to, you know, go toe to toe with with Google and compete with YouTube. Right. Um, So, and they're a huge platform. Twitch is a huge platform. Yeah, I can imagine. Like millions and millions of people tune in every day just to watch people kill each other in PUBG. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, that tells you something. Right. Um, And with how big the gaming industry is, it's definitely a good platform to be on. But I'm definitely been sticking to podcasts and audio because I just think audio is the biggest medium out there. Mm. Um, And it's easy and affordable. And mm-hmm. I really don't spend anything on the podcast other than doing some advertising and outreach and things like that. But it's very manageable. Um, it reminds me of kind of uh, that that argument you just made reminds me of the kind of argument that email isn't really uh, uh, the platform to focus on anymore, which I personally mm-hmm. don't agree with. And I'm just making an analogy. I'm not saying that you're saying that. I'm just right. saying that it really depends, doesn't it, on the person's business model and where they're finding their readers, their subscribers, their users, their customers. So like, for example, with email, it's a very legacy, like an old technology, not legacy technology, it's an old technology, but it's a very effective technology because there's no advertising and it just goes straight into your inbox. Well, here's the interesting thing about email. Um, Everyone has an email. Email is a staple in our everyday lives. You need an email for personal things, to work, you know, everything revolves around email and business too. Um, and, you know, while it's not a primary thing people target uh, when advertising things, but I mean, if you can get a subscription by email, you're in someone's mailbox whenever you want. You know, if you, and that's a good way to build a following. Mm-hmm. It's a good way to, to grab engagement. Um, and I've done that with the podcast too. And it's a lot of work to build an email mm-hmm. list, but over time, once you figure out who your audience is, who your subscribers are, email is such an easy way to send them stuff because I'm I'm subscribed to a whole bunch of different things and I get emails every day and I read them all because that's right. targeted towards me and something I want to read. Um, right. While all the bullshit goes to spam. Um, and that's such a good thing in terms of engagement because if you yeah. know you get a subscriber via email, they're volunteering because they want that information and they're going to open those emails. Yeah, they're cool. So, I mean, I feel like it's a little underrated, actually, to be honest. And I, I do think there's a lot of opportunities with email if you know how to build the subscriber list and you know how to really engage with it, Mr. Click Funnel Professional. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. My number is oh, and speaking of numbers, there's a trend now that uh 
well, some of the bigger social media users and brands are moving towards getting people to uh, SMS them, which I think is a great idea. It's the same as email, but it's on your phone. Like it's a, it's a different platform, but it's very similar. It's again, it's got no advertising. It's straight into your inbox and it's exactly what you sign up for. So it's, it's pretty much email, but in SMS form. So I was thinking more of the lines of carrier pigeon, but that also <laughs> sounds interesting too. Carrier pigeon. <laughs> yeah. I think it's an underrated form of advertising. <laughs> I really do. We get everyone to buy pigeons. We Dude. steal the pigeons, let them fly home. Maybe there's that something attached to the pigeon. Interesting to have an advertisement or something that you've subscribed to arrive like rolled up in the feet of an eagle. <laughs> you know? That would be really cool. But <laughs> the whole new industry that we've just thought of that can come back from the dead. Yeah, I think a lot of people would die, though. Imagine having pigeons in cages in everyone's household. <laughs> That's a whole new host of viruses right there. <laughs> it would be terrible. But <laughs> imagine, imagine if you subscribe to someone via email, and then all of a sudden a, a bald eagle flies into your house with a scroll, and you open the scroll, and it's just your, your daily info that you subscribe to. This just goes to show how funny it would be if you were to try to apply the current economic model of advertising on old, 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 like way of living, like, you, you know, like a pirate ship where there's just someone walking around all day, just like reading out advertisements. <laughs> I just think it'd be really funny to kind of like try to illustrate how that would look. But mm, I think technology, yeah technology's kind of paved the way for all of this stuff to actually happen. Yeah, technology and animals. Definitely. Technology and animals. A good yeah. mixture. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, bro, it's uh it's been a really varied conversation we've had. It has been very very varied. We went through um, coronavirus, went through markets, the economy. Mm -hmm. Uh we went through conspiracy theories. We uh, did. Whistleblowers. Um, and then we went through things like uh, denial, economic denial. collapse, and then ended uh, up with carrier pigeons, carrier pigeons, click funnels, click funnels. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and a whole lot more waiting for you on this new podcast we're going to be launching. <laughs> yeah, for you and all your click funnels. I actually thought that your Instagram following would be like much, much higher. Is so? Are you just kind of curious? Are you pushing your Instagram, or is it more for no. fun? No, I'm not actually, uh, you know, th this is the thing. So I'll give you a little bit of background on myself. I went sure. to university twice and I didn't graduate either time. And there's a reason. Oh, how dare you? I know, right? Such a waste. Such a waste. You didn't get that piece of paper. Uh, I know. I should have got that paper. But uh, essentially, I realized I was in a wrong course the first time around, which was computer right. networks. Uh, and it was the most boring thing ever. And then the second time around, I went for natural health, which was great, but I realized the education was awful. So I didn't want to do it. I was like, maybe they're going to tell me that I should be doing things I shouldn't be doing. So I felt a little bit unsettling about that. Um, anyway, I got into marketing and, uh, and, and, and advertising purely by chance, to be honest with you. Uh, and I got really good at it. And I've worked with people like Lewis Howes, who are obviously like a global personal brand now he's got his whole mm -hmm. and he's on the ellen show and things like that and i've worked with a number of other people uh and companies that are notable and you know i see my passion now 
as being uh, something that I can do in the area of soft skills. And I'm currently in the process trying to understand how to um, apply my knowledge to that passion because I have a bunch of things that I like to talk about, as you know. And if you go to my Instagram, you'll see that I like to talk about a few different types of things, relationships, personal development, and, um, you know, I, I think I think it's going to fall into any of those categories. So while I do my professional work, I'm actually building on the side what it is that I'm going to create as my social presence. I never wanted to create a social presence right. around marketing and advertising, basically. So, But you're building a personal brand yes. for yourself. And, and that's, you know, I, I'm doing that too. And I think everyone actually should do that. Absolutely. You know, living in a digital world and living in a highly social digital world, mm. I, I think it's, I think you're hurting yourself if you don't build your own personal brand. I mean, look at what's happening right now. So a lot of people have uh, skills and knowledge that others don't, or, you know, mm -hmm. just a different way of looking at something, right? And it's valuable. And they've had plenty and plenty of time to apply that and create content around that. I'm talking about myself while I'm talking, by the way, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and they haven't used that time and they've used it for something else. And now look what happened. We didn't realize how fragile the, the economy really is. And people are suffering when they didn't necessarily have to be suffering. Now, if you think about it, people who have very strong personal brands are getting mm -hmm. paid in a number of different ways from the content that they create. One of the major ways people get paid is through uh, having sponsorships or uh, some kind of advertisement program running on their content, where whenever they get a view or they get an action taken on it, they get paid a certain amount of money. And that's kind of passive because as soon as you create the content you put on the platform, people are, assuming it makes traction, people are going to keep clicking or keep watching and you're going to get keep getting paid. So a personal brand can be super powerful in times like this. Oh yeah, definitely. That that's why I'm trying to do the same thing, and, and especially with the IGTV videos, it just lets people, you know, see my face more, not just my voice, because they're probably wondering what I look like. They're like, <laughs> he's such a beautiful voice, but is he a beautiful man? He's such a beautiful voice, but he's so ugly in person. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, then I would just stick to audio, but. <laughs> Yeah. No, it, uh, it gives me different mediums to connect with the audience I do have. Mm -hmm. um, and I just have always had a fairly larger audience on Instagram than anywhere else. And slowly is building, building that up on Twitter too. So um, you're saying to me now that you're kind of, you're kind of starting to see, cause you were telling me before you didn't want to do video. It was too much work. It, it was a lot of work, but I mean, I've come across some great software recently and I've seen the practice and and doing it for Instagram for IGTV doing something short like five minutes six minutes something like that mm -hmm. um, that doesn't take up too much time doesn't take up too much editing I can get something turned around with that like within a few hours um, so that's definitely something I'm capable of doing and then allowing myself to have more time because like I could do something on YouTube for example and I could use the software I have and I could record a video and I could do all kinds of cool things but it would suck up a lot of time um, for me to actually produce that, put that out, syndicate it versus if I do the same thing, condense it and put it on IGTV, I actually hit my audience instead of shooting it into a black hole mm -hmm. <laughs> that is YouTube. Mm -hmm. 
So I actually hit my audience and I have the ability to uh, do a lot of creative things with that and you know, create a series with it. And, um, you know, YouTube is a great resource and a great way to put out content, but it does take up a lot of time. Yeah. So it's not I, the easiest, I, I would say like to, 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 I think a lot of where a lot of people stumble on this is just one understanding how to do this stuff. And then two, they're a little concerned about the overall result, which is, is it going to be good enough? Right. And there's so many, so many people out there, for example, and, and we bring up this guy a lot, but it's because he's good at this. It's Gary V tells people, don't worry about the result. Just mm-hmm. do it. <clears throat> right. Because, yeah, if you're if you're always kind of criticizing the content and perfecting it, you'll never publish it and you'll never do as much as you could if you just kept putting it. And honestly speaking, people don't give a fuck. They really don't. Like they don't care whether your hair is done properly or if you're the only thing I think they would care about is if they can understand what you're saying. So the quality of the sound is an important thing. But most people have decent microphones right. on their phones. So yeah, I would say just publish it. Just publish and see what happens and don't don't be so I don't know don't don't be so perfectionist about it yeah I mean I I do that for the most part um, but I try and focus on a few different platforms I don't try and hit all of them which I probably should but I mean with the type of content I'm putting out I do have to put a lot of thought into it um, there is some aesthetic to it that does help um, and making it look good when I do videos, I mean, versus audio, which is really easy. I just fucking publish it. Who cares? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, cause I know that I have a pretty voice. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but a <laughs> t-shirt right there. I know. But that. I mean like, like Twitter, for example, my following is growing quite a bit on Twitter and it's, I get a lot of engagement. So I, I post multiple times a day on Twitter when I can on Instagram. I, take advantage of my my story because that's how i get my engagement even over posts mm-hmm. like i'll get hundreds of people that'll watch my stories and then i'll get like 13 people that like a post so i'm like okay well this is stupid yeah. i'm not going to post all the time but i'm definitely going to take advantage of these stories mm-hmm. uh, what you can do i think and i don't know if you're already doing this but what you can do is you can just post and then share it as a story i do and then people I do. but it 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 bothers my ego because I'll do that and I'll be like, okay, 400 people saw that I posted something. How many of them actually clicked on it and liked it? 13. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Uh, honestly, that's, that's, uh, that's an interesting, I, I think that the, the formula or the algorithm of how Instagram works is really complex. So it could literally yeah. be that you haven't been posting enough. Maybe. And, I don't post a whole lot, but I'm not overly worried about it because, I mean, my content doesn't get across in a single post. It gets across when I do some kind of video or audio. So that's why I focus so much on the Instagram stories because I get a lot of engagement from it. Well, you Um, might like this suggestion because this might be something down your alley, but you do a lot of – you do talk about a lot of topics that are very interesting. And what I would like to see is a post in your feed – that is basically like a quote from the podcast uh, episode or um, a video, which uh, again, takes time to create, but they're very effective when done properly. And this is like a summary video of everything that is discussed Mm -hmm. or just really important topics like uh, in in a niche. So 
you can do you like if you look at the World Economic Forum, they do great videos like this. I think um, I think there's a number of other like outlets that do maybe like news or media outlets that do these kinds of summary videos and they're really great. There's just some relaxing stock music on in the background right. and all animated and stuff. Yeah, yeah I was I was thinking about doing that too because I already dove into doing the IGTV videos and I can do those as posts, you know, yeah. and stealing a little bit of ideas from what Gary Vee does. Like I, it makes a lot of sense. He'll, he'll do an IGTV video and it'll go up as a post and he'll and then put it on a story and he'll hit all his fronts all at once with one good piece of content. And I'm like, yeah, I definitely need to do that. So I'll probably, as I get into the swing of doing these IGTV, IGTV videos, um, I'll probably also do different series. One like recapping some podcasts, one probably with some people, um, you know, whether I, I do something live occasionally or I just do it with people in person or However, I don't know. However, I ended up doing that, but I definitely see IGTV as an interesting outlet to not only put out uh, video content, but also to cover my posts, cover some of my stories and whatnot, because those mm-hmm. are actually getting a lot of engagement for whatever reason. Yeah, I got an idea. So we're we're thinking about getting an office in Medellin, right? So, yep, we're both doing this thing, and you're doing it already. Doing it, I'm thinking about doing it, and I'm just starting doing it personal branding uh, journey is, is, a, is a long one. You need a lot of content for it. And you seem mm-hmm. like you want to do that kind of stuff. Uh, how, why, not, why don't we just hire someone in Colombia, sit with them in the office, and they can do both of our stuff for us. <laughs> you could. And, you know, it'd be really cheap, too. It would be super cheap. It'd bro. be really cheap because I already know that labor costs are um, very, very low compared to, like, the U.S. and whatnot. And, and looked since I speak Spanish, I could tell him to do my stuff better than yours. Exactly. Never like, about see, if we we get this office in Medellin, which is something I'm still planning on doing, mm-hmm. um, I would crank out so much goddamn content. So You'd be all content. over the internet. I I would have my my professional camera set up. You know, I would I would have. Um, perfect lighting, perfect backgrounds. You know, I'd have a whiteboard, man. If I had a whiteboard, I would go crazy with the videos. I love doing stuff on the whiteboard, this is but like, I don't have a whiteboard. I shouldn't have a whiteboard, but that's why I need an office. I need a central location that I can localize it and just create content. Mm-hmm. And uh, with uh, Clement could do a lot of interesting things as well. So get your ass back down here. I think in an office is the key, bro, and uh, I'm all for it. So let's uh, let's plan ahead and uh, try it out maybe, and we'll see what happens. But if we have someone to do it full-time, and, and this is the same for others too, I mean, like, it's actually not – there are companies out there that do this already, and you can hire people to just outsource. Follow you around and video you, yeah. I've thought about that too. Like, I've actually thought about going to some universities and just – doing some like internships and getting Absolutely. people to, yeah, to that's all. yeah. some students that want media experience, just follow me around all day, shoot, mm-hmm. edit, post, shoot, mm-hmm. edit, post. Well, we could do that too as well. I mean, there's some universities around there. <laughs> I mean, if we, if we did that, we might as well start a reality TV show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm getting excited just thinking about it. Oh man, it's so cold here. I got to get out of here, but keeping up with Zemp and Young. 
uh, we got to come up with a better title than that. But leave it, it almost sounds gay. <laughs> it almost sounds gay. Yeah, if we, yeah, if we're seen that way. Down, that's all right. It's all right. Welcome you, to the offices of Zemp and Young. Welcome. So, <laughs> sounds like a law office, a German law office. Welcome to the office of Zemp and Young. That is so true. It's got that ring to it. Almost like we're solicitors or some kind of legal firm. <laughs> yeah, some attorneys. Click funnel attorneys. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, absolutely. Can't wait. Can't wait. Yeah, yeah, definitely let me know. Um, yeah, if you hear back on like the office stuff and too, like like Tinko, because I, I definitely liked it there. And I'm, I might go back and just get a get some little gig there for the time that I'm still here just to work and fill it out some more. But yeah, if they, if they have some offices that open up in May, um, we should probably just jump on it because the, I mean, the prices are kind of ridiculous. Mm, yeah, they are. And I don't really think we would find much of a better deal if we tried, we probably could, but is it worth it? I mean, it's good. You, well, you could probably find something at WeWork too. Um, but I know they're also very uh, booked out uh way out on their calendar right but i mean they're really close to where my apartment is right now and it's walking distance and it's right above the gym and i'm just like god how convenient that would be oh, you're talking about the one at the top of santa fe commercial santa uh that's we work but i mean i'm talking about uh, tinko it oh tinko. tinko's like right i mean it's right there in i know like it's a five minute walk to Mia de Oro, and then mm-hmm. I can hit SmartFit, and then head up to the offices and work, and then go down and get some sushi. <laughs> then yeah. day, stop by Caruja. Caruja, dude, that is I know one you love that place. of the best things about Medellin. Uh, who would have known? You would arrive in a com- country and a continent you've never been in, and you would be whisked away emotionally by the supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like, it was like two, three days after you arrived. And I'm like, where are you at? You're like, I'm in Karuja again. It's been the, it's the 12th time I've been here. I haven't seen anything else. All right. Here's what's good about it. It's almost like Whole Foods and maybe even better. We agree in certain it's, aspects. It's a spitting image of Whole Foods. Let's be honest. It is very nice inside. It's not it a cheap very nice inside. It's very rustic looking, very organic and healthy. And they have really high quality food, really high quality food. Um, but it's also got a, 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 like a food, uh, like a cafeteria and a, and a bar. And it's open 24 hours. And it's super cheap, like super cheap. So... God damn it. Right. I don't know who wouldn't enjoy that, but I love it. Well, since the peso Caruja has been crashing week. versus the dollar, I've been going into Karuja after um, all my gym sessions and going up to their little little buffet they have, just like they do at Whole Foods. And instead of spending $20 for a bucket of food, I spent $3 for a bucket of food. And it's like ridiculous. Yeah absolutely ridiculous the prices and the quality of the food at the same time and i'm like i could just very minimal amount i could live very reasonably here it's kind of crazy if it's still the same in september uh i am blessed but (laughs) yeah i i don't think it'll i don't think that'll change it's been like that for a long time so i think you're good for september Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Well, until then, I'm going to keep my head down, get this stuff sorted out. Hustle. And then uh, maybe even do another episode with you. Who knows? Yeah. Part three. This could be a could be a thing. This could really be off my audience. Getting into, <laughs> yeah, you know, midlife crisis. What do you do? All right. Yeah. Okay. So take care of your lymph nodes. Stay healthy. <laughs> Don't have any more malfunctions. I'm feeling um, this conversation, I'll tell you. So good, know. good. Um, quarantine and chill, hang out, ride out this virus, watch the markets. Um, I think we covered numerous topics. It's going to take me a while to figure figure out what we covered because I think we've done at this point about four hours of, of uh, audio. So I'm going to have to comb through it and see what, uh, what looks nice and uh, <laughs> what should I never ever go on air <laughs> you know well we need uh we need to have some kind of signing off thing which we can come up with in time but uh you know like in the words of david goggins stay hard <laughs> <laughs> no that's too gay right exactly yeah oh god i was listening to chris delia podcast the other day he is funny he is so funny you should listen to it um he, he says some strange things on that podcast but you know the <laughs> King's speech have you seen the king's speech yeah you know when he's having <laughs> you know when he's having that trouble pronouncing the word he's like ah, la, 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 la. <laughs> yeah yeah you gotta listen to his podcast that's he does that all the time man it just gets you by surprise and you're just like what the fuck am i mm-hmm. I'll, I'll yeah for sure I, I love podcasts i listen to so many of them actually a good closer for this one um talk about what you want to do for your podcast what are you what are your thoughts are you gonna launch that soon are you gonna wait yeah no it's a good question um i'm actually now that i'm back in the uk i am gonna commit to you and the people listening to this Here we that go. I want the first uh episode of that podcast uh a week from now so there's no excuse and there's no excuse for anyone watching this who wants to do their own content too. I mean, <laughs> we've got a lot of time on our hands right now. <laughs> it's not like, well, we're- don't worry. I know that you'll be committed to doing this in a week, but yeah. by the time this episode goes out, um, that might be yeah. old information. <laughs> that will be old information. So you'll have to check the timestamp of, of, I don't know. I don't know if it'll even make sense, but suffice to say, you should see it by then. And if you're interested in relationship advice, uh, which is what it's going to be about, at least to begin with, then you can tune in and you can listen and you can communicate with me and ask me any questions and you can suggest things too. I'm open to suggestions, but essentially I've had a very interesting uh, number of relationships and I want to share the lessons and the secrets that i know of how to keep things going and keep things fresh so i think you should target a female audience like i think i'm pretty sure we talked about this before but i think if you targeted a female audience and then you organized it so that it was um men talking about relationships for the benefit of women i think that'd be a really interesting take having a, a high high percentage female audience tuning in to hear men talk about past relationships so it, it's also, that women can have advice and insight into how men think in a relationship. Mm, that's actually a good idea. And it's also easy to package up testosterone and sell it to estrogen. I mean, it's 
it's one of those yep. things that that usually goes over pretty well um but i agree with you and i and i think that's really where you know we're gonna see uh the most connection is choosing the right target audience for the right type of content and i don't know i think most of your audience are probably male correct that's uh, it's, it's- Almost 50-50. It's about 55 male, 45 female. But I mean, those stats are a little, they're hard to get. So right. I, I don't rely on them too much. And it's weird because I know there are a lot of females that listen. And I have had a lot of wonderful women on the podcast as guests too. So, That's actually really and, amazing. And a lot of the, I know there's a lot of women in tech. It's a, It really is a, a big thing. And then I get so much engagement from women, uh, especially through Twitter. So it's, I feel like the statistics are a little off saying mm. that it's mostly men, but I, I don't know. I think it's, you think it could be mostly women else. in reality. I, I think that it's the technology is it's lying to me <laughs> and that it is mostly women, but, um, they come for the Brandon and they stay for the Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> they come for me and, the, and then they leave with the Bitcoin. <laughs> That's the kind of service you provide. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, I, I'm actually quite uh, impressed by that. And I think that's an awesome thing. And that's brilliant because saying this now makes a lot more sense. So absolutely, mm-hmm. if you, you want to kind of tune in and find out what it is that I want to talk about, definitely please do. It would be the first episode and I'd love to get your feedback. Do you have a name for the podcast yet? Title? The Love Lounge with Clément. No, I don't know. I just made that up right now. Conversation. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to think it through, but it won't be, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a serious podcast. Mostly I'm going to joke around a lot, but it's really going to be about trying to. It'll be you it. sitting in a big leather chair in a library. <laughs> one hand. Yeah. No, there's uh, not going to be anything, the other. anything like that. Talking about relationships. With not clients. that kind of a relationship uh, podcast. To be honest <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, it'll, it'll be, it'll be my, my major goal really is just to help people understand some of the pitfalls that we have when it comes to, uh, having a partner or finding a partner, uh, that you, you can build something with. And I think that's super important. And just as a disclaimer, I'm not in a relationship, but it doesn't mean that, you know, um, I haven't had experiences that, uh, you know, kind of help for people to understand how to have conducive relationships and relationships that last. And, um, yeah, I want to impart that knowledge and we'll grow together along the way. That's the whole point. All right, bro. Well, it was great. It was a pleasure talking to you and, uh, looking forward to the next time. Yep. See you, man. Talk to you later. See you later. Bye-bye.